0: But hey, I'm excited that you're here uh, because you are here on a very, very great Sunday because we are kicking off a brand new series called This Is Us. Look at your neighbor and say, this is us. Look at the other one and say, you is us. All of you, you are us. And we're going to be talking about uh, all kinds of different things during this series. We're going to be talking about family and relationships uh, we're going to be talking about us as a collective group, the church. Uh, and more importantly, what's going to be at the root of all of this is when you become a better you, we become a better us. When your family becomes a better family, God's kingdom grows and we become a better us. And so we're going to be looking at all of these different principles right out of God's word that talk about how we become a better us. Because when us is better, The world is better. This nation is better. And that's how we see revival really happen is when us becomes a better us. And today is going to kind of be an introduction. It's going to kind of be an overview and it's going to set the stage for the rest of what we're going to talk about. Because if we cannot get today right, if we cannot agree on today, then the rest of what we talk about doesn't matter because there won't be any reason to take those steps, to follow that or anything. And so I want to talk today this broad overview of how we become a better us. And I want to start by saying the church, this thing called the local church, is an amazing, incredible thing. I I mean, it's the only thing Jesus ever built and it's lasted 2,000 years of, of God moving and working through the local church. But can we all agree uh, that this collective body of believers can be dysfunctional sometimes. Now, don't point to your neighbor, but we know someone that's that's a little dysfunctional. And in this series, this is us. We're going to talk about how to be the best us, how we have better families so we can be a better us, how we become a better church so we can be a better us. Because when we individually contribute to being a better us, we see God move in an incredible way. But can we all agree that? We're living in some pre-divided times right now. No. I mean, you, you turn on any news outlet and it's just, we're right, you're wrong. They're right and they're wrong. If you believe this, you're wrong. If you believe this, you're right. And then you switch to the other channel and they're saying the exact opposite. The, no, actually, if you believe that, you're the right one. And, and it's it's become an even bigger thing. Because right now, no one can agree on what truth is. No one agrees on what's right, and there's kind of a clear dividing line. If you stand for life, you're over here. If you don't, you're over here. If you believe God's word should be the authority for your life, then you're over here. But if you don't believe it should, then you're over here. If you vote for this party, you're over there. This party, you're over here. But at some point, that's kind of to be expected. I mean, we we kind of form tribes around what we believe. But what has kind of happened is that even in the Christian faith, there's not agreement. Even inside of the church, there is not agreement on the one thing that kicked off the church and the basis for that belief. And while in culture, it is normal. Maybe you form a tribe around McDonald's and the other ones around Burger King. Maybe you shop Publix and other people shop Kroger, which, by the way, did you see that Kroger commercial after the Georgia-Tennessee game? I about was in tears. It was ridiculous. You need to Google it. Go look it up later. But tribes form for various reasons. But the problem is now inside of the Christian faith, people can't even agree because you can find a Christian that will affirm whatever you want to believe. And so today what I want to talk about is this. In today's world, you can say you follow Jesus, but believe something completely outside of what the Bible teaches. In today's world, you can say you follow Jesus, but have absolutely no love and practically hate the church. And so today I want to talk about the enemy of us. The enemy of us. Look at your neighbor and say, we got an enemy. Y'all are... Uh, I don't know what's going on. Look at the other one and say, we got an enemy. That sounds good. That sounds good. There is a very real enemy, and his name is Satan. And as we have said before, if Satan cannot keep you from becoming a believer, then he will try to distract you. And one of the best distractions that the enemy has is division. One of the biggest things he can ever throw at you is division. And if the enemy can throw this division and get you to believe something outside of the Bible standards, having you throw hate at God's church and cause other believers to not even agree on what the Bible says clearly, then he counts that as a win. Because when this happens, when you decide to, even if you know Jesus, live this way you do not pursue your God-given purpose. The kingdom of God does not advance. And a world watches as people who claim to have the truth can't even agree. And Paul was writing to a guy named Timothy. And he was a young buck. He was a youngin, And he was writing to him. And out of concern for Timothy and people Timothy's age, he wanted to write to him to let him know about this trouble. It's in 2 Timothy 3.1. He says, you should know this, Timothy. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. This is totally outdated. doesn't apply to today, right? They will be boastful and proud. Never seen that. Scoffing God. And then I like how he throws this one in. Disobedient to their parents. They're proud. They hate God. They love money. And they don't listen to their parents. And ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. And then check this out. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could actually make them godly. Let me read that again. They will act, appear, and seem religious but they will reject the power that could actually make them godly. And he issues a warning, stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are then burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Can you stay on this verse? I want us to really soak that in. Because we can replace this word women with anyone. They will go after vulnerable people. They will act religious. They were the kind who worked their way into people's homes. And you may be saying, no one's working their way into my home. Well, you've got a TV and you've got a phone. And every single day, people are trying to work their way and manipulate your thoughts and lead you away from what God wants for your life. And I believe it's a tactic of the enemy. And they will use that to gain your confidence and will leave you burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Verse 8, these teachers oppose the truth, just as these two people oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. He says these people who want to deceive you, who look religious, who claim to be here in the name of Jesus. They actually want to deceive you, want to lead you away, and I need you to know that they actually have a counterfeit faith. Now, what is counterfeit faith? Counterfeit faith is a faith rooted in what I feel, not what God said. Counterfeit faith is a faith rooted in what I wish God had said, and not what He actually said. It's a faith rooted in what will make me accepted by the world, not what will make me accepted by God. It's a desire to please culture and not my heavenly father. And it's a faith that calls evil good and good evil. And if you follow God's word, his truth, and his standard for your life, it is promised in the Bible that you will be persecuted. Now, I think God every single day that the kind of persecution a Christian would face in America is nothing compared to other places in the world. There are other places in the world that this right here, if we were meeting like this, it would be under the fear that at any time a government-controlled militia could come in and take us away for life, or worse, take our lives. And so when I talk about persecution, please don't think I'm I'm doing this like poor me, Christians are persecuted. It is amazing that we have the freedom to gather today. But the truth is, is that persecution at some level can still happen today. 2 Timothy 3 12, it says, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He didn't say just people today in certain parts of the world, he or just some people. He said, if you follow Jesus, Persecution will come. Verse 13, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Now, following culture and denying God's truth as a believer will lead you to temporary flourishing. It will lead you to temporarily flourishing. This is why it's easy to do. You'll get followers, you'll get likes. People will start reaching out to you. You may even find a new stream of revenue, but in the end, it will leave you empty. It will leave you outside of God's will and not fulfilling your purpose. And in fact, Emily and I have watched as people we personally knew, who would call themselves believers, all of the sudden start buying into kind of a politically correct bible and running after that and in the process they get interviews they get calls they get followers they get a platform but in the end it leaves you empty and church we must hold true to what god's word says we must hold tightly to what god's word says and here's why second timothy 3:16 all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Can we all agree that's uncomfortable? Can we all agree I don't don't really want that? That this says that if you are really looking to God's word, it doesn't matter who you are. At some point, it will correct you when you're wrong and it will teach you to do what is right. And the enemy of us, is when the church decides to stop looking to God's word for what is true and instead bows to culture standard. And we are seeing it happen every single day. You scroll through any social media platform, and you will see more often than not people who claim to be followers of Jesus leaving the church, changing their views on sin, and then claiming a moral authority over everybody else that you should just listen to them and realize the truth like they have. And if you would just get with the times and see things have changed, but here's the truth this morning, even as I'm losing my voice because I'm hyped up, is God never changes. And the standards that he set up a long time ago were not for a time, but for generations. And I I was talking to Emily and telling her about this message. And I told her, it's almost like this. When Emily and I buy something, we have two very different reactions. I open up the box and I read every bit of the instructions. Emily, if we had a fire, would throw the instructions in the box in the fire and then go, now what do I do with this? And it is almost like as culture. We have taken God's word, the instructions, and we have thrown it out. When God is the one who created us all along, and he knows what our life should look like. Why? Because it makes our lives better increasingly we are looking for a voice we want to hear, not the one we should hear. We are turning to false voices that lead only to destruction instead of the true voice that leads to life. And this affects your kids. It affects your spouse. It affects your family. It affects you. And when you decide to listen to the wrong voice on the altar of convenience, not to ruffle feathers and to be accepted, you sacrifice God's purpose in your life. And Paul knew that this would happen. 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, For a time is coming, and I want to say a time is here, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So I want to read that again. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And this is more than just other people. This is the church. Believers are increasingly seeking out people with the title of pastor and churches and Christian influencers that will line up with their views that they want validated and that they wanted God to say, not what the Bible actually says. If you go on YouTube, you can find a person with the title pastor that will confirm anything you want to believe. Absolutely anything. If you want to believe it, there is a church and a pastor, maybe even one here in town, that will confirm anything you want to hear and what you wish God had said. And if you're ready, I'm going to come out swinging. You ready? If you want a pastor to affirm that children can decide what gender they are, and that you as a parent should be arrested if you fail to affirm them, you can find it. A simple Google search will take you to a website where in all seriousness, there is an alphabetical list of the 112 genders that your child should get to choose from. And in fact, I started to read these genders and I stopped at the bees. But here is one of the ones I came to. It's called biogender and is where you feel more like a tree than a person. So if you want to find a church and a pastor that will tell you that if your child wants to be an oak, they can be an oak, you can find it. If you want a pastor to affirm that we should no longer uphold the biblical view of marriage, you can find it. If you want to find a church or a pastor that will affirm that life is not life until it's outside the womb and you should be able to kill an infant up until right before the moment you give birth, because their life is an inconvenience to you, and in fact, it's another word for mercy, you can find it. If you want a pastor to affirm that salvation is not through grace alone, but rather only through your works and being good enough, they're out there. If you want a pastor that tells you the local church is not necessary, and in fact, it should be torn down, you can find it. If you want a pastor whose goal is actually to tear down God's church lead you into deconstruction and urge you to stay away from the church. You can find it. And this week, I saw a pastor who said God's word is no longer relevant and we do not need it. If you want to find a church that will confirm whatever it is you want to believe and a pastor that will as well, you can find it. But can I tell you, God's word is clear and it is where we are supposed to land on. And this is not that church. And I am not that pastor. We have to decide that God's word is the authority in our life. That it is what makes us whole. It is what leads us to life. Even when it makes us uncomfortable. New purpose. I'm calling us to be comfortably uncomfortable. For us to cling to God's Word in such a way that it corrects our lives when we are wrong and it informs what we can stand for, and that will be uncomfortable. But it's what we're called to do. And when you decide to shape your worldview and your beliefs with God's Word, it will call you out. It will lead you to repentance. It will call you to change, and all of that's uncomfortable. And I want to ask, in any area of life, where has avoiding uncomfortability ever gotten you? When studying was uncomfortable, when doing the homework was uncomfortable, when being faithful to your spouse was uncomfortable, when deciding not to cope with a bottle was uncomfortable, can we all agree being uncomfortable is the better decision? And this is the basis for this series. That when it comes to our personal lives, to our families, our relationships, our beliefs, and our standards, that we would choose to embrace God's way over our own. And we are living in a nation that is a result of how our family's gone and how our homes have gone. Because it's said that as the family goes, so does the nation. I heard a pastor say this week that if we don't fight for the future, we may not even have one. And if we want to see revival happen in this community, this state, and in this nation, it starts in us and in our homes. Now hear me out. And this is important. I am not saying that you should hate, belittle, avoid, or tear down people that do not practice biblical values. I am not saying that you should start treating people who do not agree with biblical standards like they have leprosy because that's not what Jesus did. If any part of this message you heard, well, then people who don't believe like I do, I should treat them like they're not a person. I should call them out. I should run away from them. I should not even seek to have a conversation with them. No, we're called to love. And if someone living outside of biblical standards has caused you to hate them, it is your fault, not theirs. I am saying the opposite. That we should love a world so much and hold tight to God's word so tightly that at some point our love for them, but our radical devotion to God's word causes them to go, what am I missing? I want some of that. Because how can you believe something different than me but love me so much? Now figure while I'm at it, why don't I make it a little more uncomfortable in here? We're on a roll. You cannot complain about the world's influence on your children and at the same time give them complete unrestricted access to social media without ever sitting down with them and talking them through the things they see on there we have a world that wants to turn your seven-year-old into an eight-year-old overnight. Have the conversations with your children. It will be uncomfortable, but have them. You cannot claim to be a believer and have absolutely no burden for your neighbor or family members who don't know Jesus because you feel like the conversation would be uncomfortable. You cannot complain about your spouse and your marriage, but not take the church seriously not pray with them, and not be seeking to become a better person and closer to God yourself. You cannot complain that your children don't take church seriously and don't take faith seriously when you yourself show up early for football games but late and sometimes never to church. And lastly, you cannot complain about the state of our nation but not vote and vote for the person that most clearly aligns with your biblical standards. And I had someone come to our church. And they said, you know what? The pastor preached a message and he basically describes what I just preached. And he said, I left that one because I didn't like it. And so I'm coming here. And here's what I need you to know. If you don't like this, it's not that you don't like my sermon. It's that you don't agree with God's word. And if you do not agree with this message today, this is the church for you. If you do not agree with the Bible standards and you believe they're more gray than black and white and you believe it's outdated and open for interpretation, this is the church for you. You are welcome here. This is not a church full of people who are just perfect, who've got it all figured out. But can I tell you, me as your pastor, I am called to share God's truth. And you are welcome here no matter what part of that journey you're on. Whether you're all in, you agree, and you're like, preach a pastor. Or whether you're like, I don't agree with any of this. This is the church for you. Because here's what I know. The longer and more consistently you are in the presence of God and under the teaching of someone who wants to preach the Bible as it is, the more it will move you towards repentance, the more it will move you towards change in your life. This is a time for us to turn to God and to regain our influence. As Jesus and the church, it starts with us. As followers of Jesus and people in the church, it starts here. So church, I'm calling us to be uncomfortable because our lives depend on it. Your children's futures depend on it. And revival in our state, our homes, and our families, and our nation depends on it. So church, this is us. Let's get uncomfortable. Let's see what God can do. Because when we decide to rise up, not hatefully, not uh, overlording over people, but just deciding... I'm going to hold true to what God's word says. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to pursue it in whatever way possible I can. I'm going to take seriously his word. I'm going to take seriously his church. I'm going to take seriously his standard. We become a better us and revival happens. And you may ask, why doesn't revival happen like it used to in the Bible? It's because there's not people willing to be in us. But what if we did What if New Purpose Church decided, I don't like it, but if God's word says it, I'm running after. And we decided to take it seriously. I believe it would change everything. So what do we do from here? One, you got to decide whether you are going to view God as you want to view him or view God as he is in the Bible. Do you want to follow Jesus, that you have made it up in your own mind that makes you comfortable, or are you gonna follow after the Jesus of the Bible who sometimes says things that make us uncomfortable but it leads us to a better life? Two, I'm calling us as a church to pray. Pray for yourself, pray for your neighbor, pray for our nation, pray for this church, and decide, God, if your word says it. Help me to cling to it. And just so you know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't read stuff sometimes and go, I don't like it. If you are reading the Bible and never come across something that goes, I wish God hadn't said that, then you're not reading it. And thirdly, I'm calling us to champion the local church more than we ever have. Next week is our two-year anniversary. And I'm I'm beyond blown away. Uh, Emily and I keep talking about, every time we talk about it, we go our one-year anniversary. And she described it this morning very accurately. It feels like one year because our first year was during COVID. We were trying to find a place to meet. Uh, people were still like, should I wear a mask? Should I not? And I'm like, I don't know, bro. And I'm like, you know, we're, we're trying to figure this whole thing out. And what Emily and I have talked about is that in the past year, it felt like this brand new start, this brand new move of what God wants to do. And we are so excited for year three. And I'm urging you, do not miss next week. Do not miss. I know there's football games. I know there's all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next week. Why? Because we got to be us. God's got the plan, and we just got to step up to the plate and decide, let's do it. Let's hold tightly, because your life gets better. Your children's life gets better. Your family, your relationship with your spouse, let's pursue God's way.